Today's Graduate Sunday, we're honoring our graduates and we're thankful for that opportunity. I think of graduation as leveling up. Uh, teenagers, young adults play video games and they know that there are different levels uh, in the games and if you do well in one level, then you get to go to the next level and, and every level is more rewarding, more challenging, more intense. And so is graduation. Graduation is uh, an exciting time. It's, it's a challenging time. It's a time to, to level up. Graduation is not game over. It's not end game. Uh, it is the beginning of a new season. Uh, that's why they're called commencement exercises. Commencement means beginning, launching, initiating. Uh, and uh, so we, we talk about this idea of beginning. Several uh, of our graduates are graduating from high school this year and, and we're thankful for that. Uh, there are some who are graduating from college. Others uh, are obtaining their master's degrees and we're so thankful for that. And the experiences might be different. The levels of education of each of our graduates may be different. But all of them are about to embark in new ventures. And I'm convinced that God has prepared a, a path for each of our graduates, for each of you who are graduating. God has prepared a future and he has a role for you to play in that future. For the rest of us who are not graduating uh, this time around, uh, I believe that all of us may be, if not most of us, are going into a new season of our lives. And if you're not going into a new season of your life, just stick around, because you will. See, life is dynamic like that. Life is not static. There are seasons in our lives. There are stages in our lives. There, there are cycles that take place, and, and we often find ourselves entering a new season of our lives. And so, as much as I know that God has a word for our graduates, I also believe God has a word for each of us as we prepare to, to take on new stages, new seasons of our lives as we prepare to level up. And our text is found in First, First Chronicles, rather, First Chronicles chapter 22, verses 11 through 16. And as, as you're looking that up in your Bibles or in your devices, um, allow me to uh, remind you what's going on here. David speaks to his son Solomon as Solomon is about to level up. See, David is at the end of his reign. He's had a successful reign, an incredible time of being king over Israel. And he's done, uh, accomplished incredible feats. Uh, just a, a king like no other before him. He is the, the star king of Israel. But there's one task that he wanted to get done and didn't get done. He wanted to build a temple for God. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the symbol of God's presence for Israel, had been in a tent as Israel journeyed through the desert for many years. But now that they had arrived at the promised land and that they had built home for themselves, David had built a magnificent palace for himself. He just thought it was wrong for the Ark of the Covenant to still be in a tent. He said, God deserves a temple that speaks of his glory and his majesty, and I want to build him a temple. I'm going to build him the greatest temple that anyone has ever known. And God tells David, no, you're not. 
No, you're not. That's not what I've chosen you to do. I've chosen someone else for that task. I've chosen Solomon, your son, to build a temple. And so that's where we enter here in the story is David communicating to Solomon this, this sort of succession plan, if you would. In First Chronicles chapter 22, beginning with verse 11, it says, now my son, this is David speaking to Solomon, the Lord be with you. And may you have success and build the house of the Lord your God as he said you would. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will have success if you're careful to observe the decrees of, and laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. What a tender and yet powerful moment in the life of a father and son. What, what an interesting transfer of power and authority from one king to the next king. One king telling the other, it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to level up. And I wanna to say to you that are graduates this year, this is your time. It's time for you to step up and claim your God-given role. It is time for you to step out in faith to this next level that God has prepared for you. He's set in motion in his redemptive history. And I wanna point out three things that come out of our text today that I think uh, you can apply to your own lives as graduates and as adults who are preparing to go into new seasons of our lives. The first one is acknowledge previous preparation. Much of our success in the future depends on our previous preparation, the skills and the knowledge and the experience that we've had in the past prepares us for the future. When, when we're well prepared and we can go into the future with confidence, we can be thankful for what God has done to prepare us for this moment. And then we are mindful that previous preparation is not a solo act, that there have been many people who have been a part of our preparation. If we're doing anything significant in our lives, we must acknowledge that we have not accomplished it alone, but that uh, there's been a tribe, there's been a family, there, there's been a great group of people that have walked with us. David made extensive preparations to ensure Solomon's success. We read about that in, in the verses Previous to what we just read, verse 5 of 1 Chronicles 22 reads like this. David said, my son Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. David said, okay, God, I know I don't get to build it. I accept that. I don't get to build this temple, but it's so important that this temple get done right that I'm going to do everything in my power to help Solomon be successful. I'm going to make preparations so that when he leads, he has a chance to be successful. And David wanted Solomon to know this. It was important that Solomon would acknowledge what had already been done before he takes on this God-given role. Look at verses 14 through 16 of, of our text in 1 Chronicles 22. 
He says, I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighed, and wood and stone, and you may add to them. You have many workers, stone cutters, masons, and carpenters, as well as those skilled in every kind of work, in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond number. Now begin the work and the Lord be with you. What an incredible encouragement this must have been to Solomon when David says to him, look at all the gold and the silver and the precious metals and the skilled workers that are at your disposal. I've, I've prepared all of this for you. And Solomon had to have known that when he got to the end of this wonderful task, that he stood on the shoulders of his father. That he wasn't standing there alone by his own efforts. Every aspect of our education and our training includes the investment of other people in our lives. Every textbook that we read has years of research and knowledge and experience poured into it. Every teacher that pours into our lives that that teaches us with their words and their examples and, and their tutoring time is an investment in our lives. Every administrator that makes difficult decisions that deals with legislation, every counselor, every superintendent is making sure that the quality of education that you get is the best education. Every cafeteria lady works hard to make sure you have good nutrition and the bus driver and the library uh, uh, director and all of those people are pouring of their time and energy and effort to make sure that you get a good education. If you go to public school, then you're the recipient of tax dollars that have been invested in your life. If you go to private school, then you know that your parents or your grandparents are writing checks for you or the donors are, are giving so that you can have a scholarship to have that kind of education. And then, of course, there are our parents, and often our grandparents, our, our siblings, and sometimes our children who are encouraging, who stay up with us working on science projects till three, three or four o'clock in the morning, who go to teachers' meetings and, and, and who give us rides to and from school, who pick us up when we're sick, who, who stand with us when we think the teacher's being so unfair to us. Who, who stand in the gap when, when life gets tough and we get bullied, they, they're there pouring of their own lives into our lives. Our graduation is possible because of our previous preparation, yes, but many others have invested in our lives. Here at church, there have been those who have been your disciple makers who, who have poured into you when you were a baby uh, here in the children's building or a preschooler who went with you to Camp Tejas who, who uh, were your teachers in Sunday school, who were there when you said yes to Jesus, who baptized you, people who have poured and prayed for you. And so as you accomplish this great thing in your life, know and acknowledge that others have poured into your life and humbly be thankful for it. As you venture into this next season of your life, take time to acknowledge this previous preparation that you have received. Make it a point to stop and say thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. Thank you parents for your investment. Thank you grandparents 
for being there when parents are, are working two jobs or a single mom is trying to keep up and, and the grandparents are there. Thank you, educators. Thank you, teachers. We don't say thank you enough to our teachers and the work that they do and the things they put up with. Thank you, disciple makers. Thank you, mentors. Thank you for the preparation that makes our success sure. Our, our team uh, that went to Chapas two weeks ago returned this past week and uh, we were thankful to know that they had a successful mission. It was a small team and they went into the deepest parts of the jungles, parts that, that uh, others don't get to that we hadn't been to before. And one of the pictures that Pastor Orlando sent us while he was there was this picture. This is a 15-year-old a uh, boy in a village called Benito Juarez in the jungle of Chiapas. Now, what you may not know about this village is that it's a Zapatista village. And if you don't know what a Zapatista village is, Zapatistas is a group of indigenous people in Chiapas who have an autonomous government. They don't want the Mexican government to meddle in their affairs. They don't want any imperialists or any foreigners, uh, Spaniards or Anglos or anybody to mess with their way of life. They wanna keep their language. Spanish is a second language and they wanna keep their religion, which is some kind of Roman Catholicism mix. And, and so when people come and wanna introduce new ideas to them, they're not very friendly. So just a few years ago, when people had tried to go to Benito Juarez to take the gospel, they had run them off with machetes, machetes, and, uh, and they had to flee in the middle of the night. But a couple of years ago, one of our uh, people from Calvary was able to make contact there, and the leader of the Zapatista leader of the village, the one that was in charge of keeping all this foreign influence away, trusted Jesus as his Savior and Lord. And he changed his life. And he knows that, that because he did that, other Zapatistas, he, he, has, he has a bullseye on his back. And that people may kill him any moment. And he lives that way. He, 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 he told Pastor Orlando, I know that someone may kill me today or tomorrow, so in the meantime, I'm gonna make sure that I do everything that I can so that others would come to know Jesus. And this 15-year-old boy is part of his family. And right here, our team is training him on how to make disciples, how to do the three circles and how to do uh, the four fields. But see, this opportunity that we get here was because of the preparation that had been done before. No one person and no one team can take all the credit for the success in a mission because we never know how many people have prayed and how many people have attempted and how many people sometimes have died in the process so that we can get to a moment where we can train somebody to be a disciple maker. We must always acknowledge the preparation that has been made for our ability to have success in what God has called us to do. Secondly, we need to acquire prayerful prudence. See, knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. There are some things that you don't learn in a classroom. In order to be successful, you need wisdom, prudence, understanding, discernment. King David tenderly and boldly told Solomon that he needed to seek this kind of wisdom. We read that in, in verses 12 through 13. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. 
then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Solomon would need wisdom to, to lead this, this massive construction project of the temple. He would need wisdom to be the king of Israel and to make the decisions that he had to make. And David knows that this wisdom can only come from God. And that's why he makes this prayerful exhortation. He says, may the Lord give you discretion and understanding. David counsels Solomon to seek the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul. Verse 19, he says, now devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. And you know what the wonderful thing about this is? Is that Solomon listened to his father's advice. Isn't it, isn't it really cool when a young man or a young lady listened to their parents' advice? Solomon prayed to God that he would receive that wisdom from him. We, we read that in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, where, where Solomon says, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And God was so pleased with this prayer of Solomon. Solomon didn't ask for money or power or fame. He, he asked for wisdom, that God granted him wisdom, incredible wisdom. He answers in verse 12 of 1 Kings 3. He says, I will do whatever you ask. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Wow, what a way to get a prayer answered. When he prayed for wisdom and God says to him, I'm going to give you wisdom like no one has ever had before. And, and Solomon displayed that wisdom in his life, decision after decision that he had to make. You will be faced with many difficult decisions in the days ahead. There will be voices from different directions. There will be times that you'll be so confused that you may not remember what you believe or what you thought you knew. Your faith will be challenged. Your values will be tested. There will be times when you'll need to make decisions between right and wrong, and there will be times when you'll need to make decisions between good and best. And it will be difficult. And there is no manual or textbook that has a specific answer for every specific situation that you will face. You will need the kind of godly wisdom that comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because ultimately wisdom is a person and his name is Jesus. And it's when you walk with him, it's when you know him that you can have the wisdom that you need to face every situation in your life, every decision that you have to make. David prayed for Solomon to have the kind of wisdom that would lead him to God's word. He said, if you obey God's word, you're going to be successful in this task that he has for you. We read that already. You know, I, I graduated from high school 35 years ago. I know some of you say, what? Were you five years old? You know? I graduated from high school 35 years ago, and, and it was that same summer that I was licensed to the ministry. So I, I began ministry 35 years ago. And those 35 years, I've read a lot of books, hundreds of books. I read a lot of books through college. I read a lot of books through seminary. I read a lot of, I read a lot of books through my doctoral program. I'm still reading books. Some books are more helpful than others. Some books are obsolete. It's amazing what can happen in 35 years. Some people, you know, I studied 
some computer programming languages in college. And some guys that do IT today say, well, what language did you study? And I tell them, and they say, well, that doesn't exist anymore. Fortran, what's that? You know? Uh, But but of all the books that I've read, there's been one book that's been a constant in my life for 35 years. It is this book. It is a book that has always been relevant. It's never gone obsolete. It's the oldest book, and yet it's the most relevant book today because it's not just another book. It is a living book. God speaks to me through this book. I read the same passage multiple times throughout 35 years, and every time I read it, if I'm listening, God is speaking to me. That's where wisdom comes. That's where we get the wisdom to live life, to make the decisions that we need to make in our lives. David knew God's word in this kind of way, and he wanted Solomon to know it in the same way, that you may keep the law of your God, then you will have success if you're careful to observe the decrees and the laws that the Lord gave. You're gonna need wisdom in this next season of your life. Get it from seeking and obeying God's word. Get it from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Acquire prayerful prudence. And then thirdly, accept the power promise. As you take on your God-given role, do it with confidence. As you level up in your life, do it boldly. You can be confident that the same God that brought you this far will be with you in the days ahead. You can be confident that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Yes, you need to stay humble and and acknowledge that other people have poured into your life. Yes, you need to seek God's wisdom and know that that, that, uh, you need to depend on him, but that doesn't mean you cannot be confident. You can be bold. That's why David tells Solomon here in 1 Chronicles 22, 13, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. The future can be intimidating. Change can challenge us. We will wonder if we have the right preparation. <clears throat> we'll wonder if we're the right person for the job, if we chose the right degree program. We'll have doubts and questions. But we need to remember, if God is with us, who can be against us? If God calls you, he will equip you If God promised, he will deliver on his promise. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. David tells Solomon that God has chosen him for this purpose. Look at verses 9 through 11 of 1 Chronicles 22. He says, but you will have a son. This is God speaking to David. He says, you will have a son who will be a man of peace. If you know anything about Hebrew, the word Solomon sounds like the word shalom. He'll be a man of peace and rest, and I will give him rest for all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon, Shalom, and I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel for forever. Solomon could be confident in the task ahead of him, even though he'd never done it before, even though no one had ever done it before. He could be confident in the task ahead of him because God chose him for that task. Was Solomon the most capable person to be the king of Israel? We don't know. Was he the only one who was willing to be king? Did he have all the skills that it took? We don't know. What we know is that God chose him. 
That's what we know. And that's why it's so important that you seek God's wisdom in the decisions that you make. That in, in, in the next steps that you take, that you make sure that you've prayed and that you've sought God's wisdom. Because when the going gets tough, you need to know. You need to know that you're where you are because God led you there. When, when the challenges come, and they will come. When the doubts come, and they will come, that you'll know for sure. You say, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this next step in my life. But I know God brought me here. I know God took me this far. And I know he will see me through. And I stand on that promise. I'm not here because it was going to be easy. I'm here because God brought me here. God didn't choose you because of what you can do. God chose you because he wants to show you what he can do through you. God didn't choose you because you're the strongest or the most powerful. You're the smartest. You may think you are, but that's not why God chose you. God chose you because he wants to manifest his power through you. He wants to bring glory to himself through your life. When you look at verse 19, the latter part of verse 19, notice it says, begin to build a sanctuary of the Lord God so that you may bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the sacred articles belonging to God into the temple that will be built for the name of the Lord. I love that part. I love the fact that David says the temple that will be built. He didn't say, I hope you build it. Oh man, I wish that you'd get to the point where you finish the thing. He said the temple that will be built He's saying it's going to get done. Why is he so sure? Why is David so sure? Because he has the, the promise of God. God had promised that he would get it done. And he's counting on God's promise. So I want to say to you as you enter this new season of your life, embrace the courage. Embrace the confidence and the power that God offers you. Receive the power of the promise of power he has given you. Don't be shy about claiming what God has given you. Listen, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you're in a good place. The Bible says that we sit in heavenly places. You're a child of the King. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a child of the King. Yeah. But don't do it like you're bragging. Do it humbly. But you are a child of the King. And you know what? God has given you his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. The spirit of power and wisdom is inside of you. And there are hundreds, if not thousands, of promises here that you can claim. So you can go with confidence to the next step, to the next level of your life. Accept that promised power. Go out and claim that degree that you're supposed to get. Go out and storm that job that God has called you to do. Stay humble, but reach for the stars. Become everything that God made you to be. Just a few weeks ago, some of you watched the, the uh, final of the NCAA basketball championship, and, uh, and you saw, you know, Ron's about the only Virginia fan in the, in the crowd, but you know, that's okay. You saw Tony Bennett uh, is a coach for Virginia, and he led this team to the championship. Uh, he's been named three times coach of the year. He's respected, he's respected and admired by many. A successful player in college. He, he played for his dad in college, and then he went on to the NBA. But, but the one thing that you must know about Tony Bennett is the thing that is most important to him is not basketball, but his relationship with Jesus Christ. He learned from his dad the five pillars 
that he uses with his team. And these are humility, passion, unity, servanthood, and thankfulness. And he has biblical, a biblical basis for each of those. He's unapologetically and unashamedly a follower of Jesus Christ and a disciple maker. And he understands that God called him to be a basketball coach for this season in his life, and he's glorifying God through that. He's becoming the best at what God has called him to do. He witnesses of his faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know what God has called you to be, a basketball coach, an athletic director, a teacher, a doctor, an architect, a pastor, a missionary, an attorney, a bus driver. I don't know what God has called you to do, but I do know that whatever he calls you to do, you ought to embrace it and do it to the best of your ability with boldness and confidence and do it in a way that he glorifies God. Take your role in God's redemptive story. Take your role with confidence and boldness. Acknowledge previous preparation, acquire prayerful prudence, and accept the promised power. I wanna ask you as we close, and as you think about God's word today, what has God called you to in this season of your life? What is God calling you to do in this next step of your life? How do you need to trust God in that? Who do you need to say thank you today? Who do you need to stop today and send a text or make a phone call or just have FaceTime to say thank you? Thank you for your investment in my life. How do you need to hear God's voice this week? How do you need to open your heart so that you can be open to his voice, his wisdom in your life? And if you've never met Jesus Christ, how can you trust him today so that he can be your savior and Lord? This kind of confidence that David gives to Solomon, this kind of confidence that we receive from God's word can only be experienced when you're in Jesus, when you know him as Savior and Lord. So if you don't know him yet, that's where you need to begin. Receive him. Give your life to him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment and think about how God has spoken to you this morning. How is it that you need to trust him? How is it that you need to respond to him? What commitment do you need to make? How do you need to open your heart? What things do you need to leave behind so that you can level up If you've never trusted Jesus and you want to do so, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your need for Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, then today with faith you can pray where you are and you can say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know how much I need you. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the dead. I receive him as Savior and Lord. 
I receive the forgiveness and the power. And I will become a follower of Jesus from this day forward. I'll be a disciple who makes other disciples. Thank you for hearing my prayer and for giving me a new beginning. If you pray that prayer for the first time with faith, then God is going to do a miraculous work in your life. He's going to change you from the inside out. And we'd love to walk with you. So come to us after the service and let us know that you've prayed that prayer. Come to your ABF leader or a deacon or a pastor or a church member and let them know so that we can encourage you. Father, we thank you today for your spirit and for the way that your spirit speaks to our lives. We thank you for your word and for the way that David and Solomon's life reminds us that you have a master plan, that you guide history, and that we're part of this great story of yours. And so for our graduates, I pray that as they take and they step up and they take their place, that, that they'll have your power, your confidence, your blessing. For those of us that are going into new seasons of our lives, help us to trust you and to obey you. Guide us as we seek you daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.